All right, everyone. Today's episode is sponsored by Dante Zompetti, loan officer with Movement Mortgage, special, specializing in helping veterans use the benefits they have earned. Know a veteran who has questions on the VA home loan benefits? Dante may be able to help. He can help. Call him at 937-522-5419 to learn more. Dante Zompetti, NMLS number 1452256. Movement Mortgage supports equal housing opportunity. In MLS ID 39179. Go to www.nmls.sconsumeraccess.org. Ben, that is a lot of crap I got to say for our first sponsor. You guys hear that? We're sponsored. We're sponsored now. 25,000 downloads, <laughs> and we get our first sponsorship. It's great, man. We're going to make tons of dough. We're going to be that million dollar giveaway is coming up. <laughs> 10 million ad sponsors, $1 million giveaway. Our guest today, very successful young guy. DNA reads real estate in it. Um, he's here in Keller Williams, but he's grown his own on his own. I think a lot of, a lot of interesting backgrounds with him. Yeah. What's really cool about today's guest. Our first guest is that it's not your typical real estate path. Correct. And what, what's so interesting about him is that he's, he's again, took a different path within real estate, but he's in the room with the top producing agents uh, minds of Gary Keller, um, and he brings a, an incredible insight to what is going on and what top producers are doing in their business day to day. Right. So we're going to get into it. Today's guest, Preston McKissick, or as we call him, Prez. Prez. All right, Perez, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank y'all for having me. Are you this nervous? Cool. A little bit. You, you should see this room right now that and the equipment that they have. It's I feel like I'm on a radio show or a I don't know what I'm Dude, on. It's cool though. It's dope. We are currently interviewing in the nicest office Trent and I have ever <laughs> recorded a podcast in. Happens to be my office. Happens to be Prez's office. Of course. The regional guy. He's got he's got a double we've he's got a double window. Double window. Double window. Looking at the greenery, the trees. Yeah, you should see this tree out of our window. It's Big and green. It's great. Miami Village Drive. What a sight that is. <laughs> Miamisburg, Ohio. Yeah. It's almost you, like Miami. It's like beachfront. Again, sponsors, if you want to send anything, we, we've put our address in um, previous episodes. So please send us free swag to 2835 Miami Village Drive, addressed to Ben Bolton, Unit 200, Miamisburg, Ohio, 45342. Oh, wow. Imagine that. Then self-promotion again on the podcast. Um, let's get into press. So he's a regional director of R. Keller Williams. Um, Ohio Valley area, right? But he's a lot more than that. It's not a Kelly Williams pitch or anything. It's kind of getting down to the way he went because we talked about Jim and Linda before and how they had, we just briefly talked about, if you haven't listened, Perez, about how they got into it, failed on the first business, but then exploded in real estate and everything else. And they branched out significantly just besides selling real estate. So we kind of know your background a little bit, but let's let him kind of give his right. his elevator pitch on who is Prez and Ooh, where you, you are now. Sure. Yeah, I was I was uh, interested to hear how you guys were going to explain me. To be <laughs> honest with you, because it's, it's not, tough. It, it is it's interesting. It's, it's not a uh, typical route in real estate that a lot of people uh, either go or have an opportunity to go down. So, um, like you guys mentioned, name's Press McKissick. I've been. Uh, I tell everyone I've been in real estate since uh, basically when I was born. I mean, mm -hmm. basically born into the industry. And uh, my family built a successful real estate team in a, a little town called Denton, Texas. And so I'm originally from Dallas. 
And um, over, uh, you know, the course of growing up, I was the 12-year-old who said, you know, when I grow up, I don't want to be an astronaut. I want to be a real estate agent. So, oh, no. Yeah, you're right. So, um, so that, and that's the route I went. Uh, I got my license at 18. Uh, my uh, parents did all but pretty much force me to go to college. I wanted to just get out there and start, but they said, nope, you need to grow up a little bit. So spent four years in college, got out, and uh, uh, my wife and I at the time uh, got into real estate. So real estate sales, and uh, we sort of had two options. Option one was go to go back to Denton, Texas, and sell as a buyer's agent on uh, my family's team. Uh, or option B, which we got as we were going through the process of getting li- uh, my wife getting licensed, was to go about 30 minutes south and uh, start our own, start our own real estate business. So what that that's one thing I want to talk to you about. What made you, I mean, let's be honest, your parents had a great business. You could have jumped in as a buyer agent. $84 million a year in sales. Yeah, probably could have just took the silver platter and ran with it and eventually ran the whole team, I'm assuming at some point. What made you jump off and go on your own? So interesting story. Um, so my family built that team to about 20 million. This is a great story on leverage, to be honest with you, okay. in real estate. Most people don't, you know, they don't think that as a real estate agent, you can really build a business that you could one day step away from. Uh, and that's exactly what my family did. So they built it to about 20 million. And then uh, my family replaced themselves with my uncle. So my uncle Brad runs the team and he has sons. So he's got two sons, um, Chase and Bradley, who help him run the team. So by the time and then they grew that from twenty million to eighty something million. So a great story on, on leverage right there. Lyndon Jim stepped out. Someone else took it over and has grown it. Uh, Lyndon Jim still had ownership, but they weren't in the day to day operations. And so by the time I, I'm the youngest in my family by a lot. I'm the the fourth. I'm the baby. <clears throat> the next oldest is seven years older than me. And so by the time it was, uh, I was getting out of college, getting ready to step into real estate. I, my uncle had already been there. He's been established. He had sons. And so mm-hmm. that was never really going to be my opportunity to step uh, in and okay. take it to the next level. That makes sense. Yeah. So it was more of a question of, do we want to come in as a buyer's agent, learn what we need to learn, and then go down a different path? Or what, what about if we did something crazy and we went where nobody knew us um, and we, my wife and I just sold real estate on our own and built our own sort of team and organization. Okay. So that's what we did. So your parents, which I did not know this, they stepped away only at 20 million. I think a lot of people think 50, 60, you step away, but they did at 20. Yep. And, uh, my family hadn't been, my, uh, mom hasn't been on a listing appointment in 20 plus years. And that team that she has ownership in has sold, you know, two to 300 plus units every single year, year after year for 20 plus years. And, and I want to, I, 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 what Linda and Jimmy have done is incredible. And I, I want to, I don't know if I'm going to cross any lines by saying this, but the thing that stands out to me the most is they've got an $84 million a year producing team. And that's what they're least interested in stre- income stream wise. And yeah. that's right. mind blowing to me. Well, I think you look, go back like with Prez Leverage, and I, I've said this before, I know we're talking real estate, but this applies in any other business, is no other business thinks they can do it on their own. They know they need salespeople. They know they need admin people. They know they need an ad administrator slash front desk. But in real estate, everyone's like, me, 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 where they actually treat it, I think, like a business. It sounds like you and your wife did too. You guys treat it as a business later down the road. So you guys went and did your own business. What did you guys do down there? When did you jump out of selling real estate into more of the um, leadership side, leadership side of side. things? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great question. So we, uh, we sold uh, right out coming out of college. We sold for probably about two and a half to three years. So, um, I was in about uh, half the time. What most people don't know is I I actually never worked with a buyer or seller. So I was all the back okay. end. Anna did all of the client-facing activity. So from day one, 
we sort of split our our activities, and I said, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna run. I'm gonna work on hiring. I'm gonna work on um, uh, sort of the systems and everything uh, on the back end, while Anna goes out and faces with clients. Because at the same time, I was also working in Jim and Linda's organization. So I spent half my time doing that, other half working in real estate with Anna. And Anna goes in full time, gets rookie of the year her first year, uh, sold 24 houses. And then, um, and then after that, moved on and built about, uh, we were on our, our last year, we're on track for about 15 million. Okay. And so what made you guys say, okay, we've got a $15 million a year in $15 million in volume in two and a half years. We're on track for that. So, you know, you're obviously on the, on the trend to go 20, 30 to say, okay, let's uproot our life, move to Dayton, Ohio, and now to be in the role that you're, you're both in, um, particularly you for this interview, um, what was that decision like, right? That's a $15 million is a great income at 24 years old. Yeah, we were yeah. making, we were making more cash than some of our, some of our friends' parents. I mean, it was like, you know, you look up and you're making a couple thousand bucks a month, uh, sometimes 10 plus thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest with you, that was one of the hardest decisions we had to make. Uh, and at the same time, one of the luxuries that m- most people don't get that I had was, you know, uh, I would spend half my time working with Linda and Jim and their organizations. And I sat, my desk was right next to Linda's. And every day I heard Linda get the calls from real estate agents who would look up and say, I've been selling real estate for 20 plus years and I want to quit, but I can't. I literally have no option. I'm stuck doing this. I want to move to Florida because that's what everyone does in Ohio. They move to Florida. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, again, but I can't. And so listening to that, I knew um, pretty early on that at some point, Lynn, uh, Anna and I were going to step away and go the leadership track because uh, multiple streams of income that offers opportunity okay. not only to own brokerages, but also to, um, you know, in KW, we've got profit share. So building the passive income streams and things like that was, was really important to us because I watched my family go from $600,000 in debt to, you know, financially secure, could go on a beach anywhere they wanted to and just relax. Right. And so watching that, I knew, like, it's real estate is an amazing business. However, if you don't turn it into a actual business, then it's just a cash flow stream. And I think you had the advantage, too, though. Like, when I first got into you think you're selling real estate, at least in this model, you can see other avenues. You mentioned other agents profit share, but more importantly, other rental properties. Like you change your mindset, I think a little bit when you get into it, but then you grew up, you know, sometimes having successful parents can be a negative, but sometimes it also be a positive. sounds like you took the positive side of it. You guys sounds like you had a plan to sell and then go off into that leadership role to kind of grow your business on a different model or. Yeah, that's right. Well, we didn't, and to be honest with you, we didn't plan. My original plan was build a team, and then right. bring someone else in to run that and then step away and go do leadership. The what challenge, happened? challenge with that yeah. is um, I knew at some point the regional opportunity was was a possibility. Um, and so, uh, and again, uh, you know, I'm living in Texas at the time. Mm-hmm. My family owns the region for Keller Williams in Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. And the current regional director at the time ended up stepping away a lot sooner than we had planned. And so that opportunity presented itself at a time in which uh, Anna and I had to make some tough choices. And so we made the decision that we were going to move our, my wife and myself and uh, our new baby up to Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, right. and go open a real estate office. And then I stepped into the regional director position from there. What I found interesting about what you had said was that you had heard your mom take Linda, excuse me, you had heard Linda field those calls from agents who were probably selling $25 million a year, want to get out. And you, 
you heard of it as almost like a cry for help. And then you said, you know what, I am going to help those agents. And that's where your real passion is. So for Trent and I, um, we define success as units, volume, GCI, and net. What is, how are you defining success in your role, right? It's not, you're not selling houses right now. So how do you, is it the, the less calls you get of people wanting to quit? What, <laughs> how do you define that? Yeah, I mean, what, what's, what, what's the measure of success in your role? That's great. So as the regional director, um, my responsibility is between our three states, we've got 28 Keller Williams offices and 4,200 agents. So all of those funnel up to essentially all those operators of offices report to me. And um, it, it's, uh, you know, what's interesting is it's not that much different than a real estate agent. So y- y'all's job every week is to go out and get listing appointments. Y'all's job is to go out mm-hmm. and get buyer appointments, right? For in Keller Williams, you know, you only make money in business in two ways margin or volume either you charge a lot and you can have a lot less of right. people or product or whatever or you make money via volume meaning you got to have a lot right and you charge them a lot less but you got to have a lot of it so in our model in kw it is a lot on volume so you hear us talk about going out and and recruiting and you hear us talk about like getting in relationship with agents so for for me how i define success <coughs> would be um, how many agents we bring into our region how many kw agents are not only coming, but also staying, right? Not going anywhere else. And then the the part of that that's not very tangible are the phone calls I get from people who say, uh, with tears in their eyes, Kel Williams has changed my life. That's and, awesome. Yeah. 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 So that's that's my favorite. Those are my favorite calls. I want to I want to bring up two points. So you're a young guy, you're a regional director. Most people think regional, if you typical sales route, you've been with the company 20 years, you're 55 years old, you have a old, kind of older mindset, just is what it is, but you're younger. But the biggest point is you had the opportunity to come a lot sooner, which it's a great point. Like opportunity comes either take it or you don't. I, I've learned that later on in life. You don't know when it's going to come and don't be afraid to take it. So obviously you had a ton of support because your parents were su- successful. You took their probably top achievements and applied it to yourself. So being young and being successful in such a high leadership role, how did you, what was your thought when you first took the opportunity? Were you scared, nervous? Did you have a plan to implement it? And then, how do you even address the age part or is it in the consideration? How, how, how are you getting respect? And From just old to people. Be, I'll, I'll yeah. be blunt. Yeah. I'll be, I'm going to be blunt. How is, again, I won't say your age, but you know, young Prez McKissick getting respect from these agents who are doing 500 million in sales. Cause every room, everybody you talk to has so much respect for you and it's not because of Jim and Linda. What is it that you're doing? Great question. So, um, and I'll address my age. I don't care. It, I'm 28. <laughs> okay. I'm 28. And, uh, and you made it sound like he's like 72 or something. And he's like a chick that didn't want to know. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know. I, I don't know. I mean, are we talking, are we talking age? Yeah. We're sure talking we age. Prez is 28 well, years old. Well, that's why, man. He's, he's young, successful. So what did he do that most people would be like, oh, I'm too young to take that on. That's how te- am I supposed to control 4,000 agents well, or help them grow? Lead, at the end of the day, leadership doesn't care how old you are. Right. right. So if you learn the skills at a young age, more power to you. If you learn them at a, a later age in life, that's great too. So it just, it is what it is. Uh, your age is just a number in my opinion. So, um, two parts to that question. Um, number one, the first respect I had to gain was that of my operators. So 28 offices, I've got 28, I've got uh, 19 people who operate those franchises out of, out of our 28 offices. Some of them own multiple of those franchises. So uh, the best way to gain their respect is get in the trenches with them. So okay. Get in there, 
Go help them. What's their pain points? What's their problems? How can I help them solve those? So getting in the trenches with your people. Uh, the second part of that is how do you gain the respect of agents in the business, right? So like going into a real estate office, obviously we've got multiple, you know, our, our offices are usually pretty big. So we average between 150, 200 agents per office. Um, the best way I, I've known is just to be a sponge, honestly. And so I, I, one of the blessings of my life is get to go spend time with Gary Keller on a, on a regular basis. And in my opinion, he's the most uh, brilliant um, thought leader in our industry. And he does masterminds with his top agents in the company. It's like the, I would say they call it the top 100, but to be honest with you, it's more like the top 350 at this point. It's okay. kind of grown over time. And Trent and I's invite is lost in the mail. Yes. Yeah. You guys are I, so think, I think COVID yeah, like lost our mail. COVID, so. You guys are so close. The, um, the cutoff is, <laughs> cut is 2.1 2. Hey, million in not, gross commission income. Y'all are right. We're right stop. there. Uh, Sidetrack. Why the hell does Texas have every house is 5,000 square feet and $250,000? Why is that? I know everything's bigger in Texas, but yeah, I don't every know. house I see sticks and bricks is cheaper in Texas. Yeah. I guess. It, well, you, you guys got to sell a lot of <laughs> units up here. That's all I know. A lot of condos. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. back to, back to, no, but that's, uh, that's right. And so getting to spend time with Gary and, you know, getting to go as in a, in my position, even before I stepped into the region, I would, I would go with Linda and Jim. They'd help get me in the room, which was a, a, a real honor and blessing to sit in there and just listen and learn. And so I just took notes, pages and pages of notes and just listened and internalized like, what do all these people have in common? Like, what all do they have? They have ISAs. They have, right, they have, they all do essentially the same thing, and they've learned how to how to dominate their markets. And so when I go around and talk to agents in our region, I just take that knowledge and bring it with me. Gary tells me to read a book. I read a book, and I bring that knowledge with me. Trent and I, in planning for this podcast, uh, had one question that we were both like, I was right. thinking that too. <laughs> and you just touched on it. What do those people have in common? I mean, what is it? that these top agents that you are always in the room with, that you are being a sponge for, what is it that they have in common? And it doesn't have to be one thing, but that's what we were both like. Yes, that I want to know the answer. I think any listener would like to as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, w I would love for this answer to be more complex than it probably is going to be, <clears throat> to be honest with you. It's nothing that every listener probably already doesn't know. And these people have just found a way to be consistent at the things that matter most in real estate. And so when you look at real estate, there's like five or six things that matter most. You've got working with a buyer, working with a seller, lead generating for a buyer or seller, um, negotiating a contract, and script practice and role play. You do those five things really, really great. You'll make a ton of money in real estate and you'll build an amazing business. Actually, to be honest with you, I'd add the sixth thing on there uh, that's shown up more in the last 20 years, 10 years or so, which has been finding, hiring, and keeping talent on your team. So if you look at the top agents I spend a lot of time with, with Gary's group, they all have massive organizations. They're not just a company of one. They're a company right. of many. And so at the end of the day, those people are really good at consistency of lead generation, probably number one would be the thing I would say. The second thing is they are so learning-based. And this is something that I think John Maxwell said that, or Gary Keller said, someone, of, someone I respect said and, and is always stuck with me, your level of success in the business will never exceed your level of personal development. And so if you're not learning based and growing and getting better, your business is not gonna it's not gonna outpace what you're right. what you're learning and what you're willing. And so those people, they create consistency in their life. And I think the big uh, misnomer in our business is that you have to do it all. And the reality is, guess what? The amount of money you make in real estate doesn't care if you do all the lead gen, if you set all the appointments, if you go on all the appointments, if you service all the business, it just cares that those things get done. And these people are willing to step 
out of their own way and say, there may be people out there whose unique ability is to do a piece of my business that maybe I'm not great at. And they're consistent about putting those people in their life and holding them accountable to doing the part, whatever that unique ability is to be successful. Yeah. And you, you say those six things for real estate. The only thing I would correct you on, I think you could use that for any business. It's true. Because that works. You look at it. If you take out real estate, it's the people, it's the sales. You get scripts if you work any sales job. So I think you're 100% right in that. And every, I go back to, again, every other business does not have a problem hiring those people. But like I was just talking today, looking about hiring ISA, it scares the shit out of me because it's like, now I got to pay that person a base salary more so because I got the admin. I'm like, crap, now I got to get, you know, but it puts you in that different mindset to where I have to generate and help get the leads and have them call them. So it actually makes you more productive. And I think what you're getting at there is if you get all that in process and you hire them, like you say, you take the opportunity, you're going to find the way. I mean, it's not like you're just going to hire someone or going to sit there and you're going to pay them a thousand dollars a week to do nothing. You will make them work. Well, two thoughts on that. Number one is when you're hiring someone, we have the thought process of how am I going to pay for that person for a year? <laughs> yeah. But yes. the reality is you really, you're on a, for the first 90 yeah. days with a talented person, you're really on a 30, 30 day plan. So you may only need 90 days of right. pay on the front end. If they're not making you more money in those 90 days, then you probably got the wrong person anyways. And that, that's a game changer because when you look at it that way, like everyone's afraid of hiring. Like you think you got, it's in the book. You've said it, career vision, he goes over it. But once you change it, you're like, okay, I could fire the person. That's a whole nother awkward conversation you got to have. But I mean, my admin right now has saved me a ton of time. And I'm like, okay, it's cost me money, but it's not bad. She's actually created me business. She I had her reach out to contacts. And the first one is a one show, one contract, one closing. The easiest deal I probably had is all because she reached out to one of her family members and said, hey, just contact 10 people a week. I was like, okay, I can do this. It's like it's scared <laughs> to awesome. take the jump. It's a scare factor or the failure. But in reality, all you're going to lose is money. You just go find the next person. Yeah, and the other, the other thing I'd add that a lot of people don't talk about with being successful in real... And this is, again, this applies to any business mm -hmm. uh, for entrepreneurship in general. You have to be okay with drawing a line in the sand on your income level and taking money and reinvesting it back in your success and in your business. Too many people, as they make more money, what do they do with their lifestyle? Their lifestyle it shoots up, up and that's what it, it, yeah. I see that all the time. There's in no this margin. Business. There's so no crazy. margin in their life yeah. to do anything. They're like, hire an admin. There's no way. And, and my first thought is, I guarantee if we looked at your expenses every month, we could find a way to cut out the amount of money and then have a plan to save that amount of money over a period of time to give you 90 days of their pay for us to go make that investment. It's true. Yeah, it's, it's, and Trent and throws her out. It's all you do is lose money as like, it's this light statement because that's you can, a scary, it's scary. scary thing to just throw out. Like, right. Next, if you have <laughs> bills to pay. If you have a lot of debt, it's this, the thing about paying someone two or three grand a month is extremely like I could use that to pay off this, or I could buy this, whatever. But if you look at it as like, if you take care of your personal, if your personal life's in order, your business life is so free. It's extremely free when you do it. And I, I got there eventually, but so I'm in a position to really do well on it. But you have more balls if you do it while you're in a tough personal position than you are where I am. Would you say that making that first hire is the biggest ceiling of achievement that is holding real estate agents back across the board? That is, that for, that is a one move that's going to break people through. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say two parts to that. Number one, for the average agent, which understand in the industry, the average agent does like seven transactions. So the, the ceiling yeah. is really low. So for the average agent, absolutely. The mm -hmm. answer is that first hire, 
um, should double your business. If, you, if they don't help you double your business and you've done something wrong. The second part of that is even for top people, I would say nailing your first is critical because that first hire for those who go on to be top agents should stay with you for over the course of your career. And I think in, as, when you build a business and you're adding people onto your team, you're adding in ad administrative help, then you add in sales help, right? And you're, you're doing that over time and you're scaling up more and more people. Um, the thought process that I see of a lot of agents is they think their salespeople are the ones that they have to take the most care of and they're the most important. The reality right. is, for the, you go look at the top teams, their administrative people are the ones who've been with them for 15 plus years. They're the ones that they take the best care of because they know if all the salespeople left tomorrow, you got your administrative team, you got yourself to handle sales, and you've got some sort of lead gen plan, you can go sell a lot of real estate. And this, most agents would think backwards. They 100% think backwards. They rely on the agent, admin, oh, they just process paperwork. But when you get into it, you kind of understand because the retraining admin is a lot, lot tougher than it is, I think, just a salesperson or a real estate agent. What's your thoughts? I, I you haven't hired anyone yet. Your wife, technically. Yeah, my but. wife just put in her uh, resignation from oh, her job congrats. yesterday. Awesome. So that's a Scary. huge pay cut. Yeah. So we're, uh, <laughs> it was our, it's that was, I told her when she was about to send that email, I was like, this is the heaviest button. <laughs> we could ever press right now because we are losing security and it's, but it, you know, the benefits are going to again, outweigh everything. But I, 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 went yeah. through, I could, I could train a salesperson all day. I mean, for, it, for how I work, it's, Hey, just play the numbers game. Let me mm -hmm. show you the numbers game. We'll practice scripts. Training a salesperson is easy. Training an administrative support person. I mean, that's a, that's a daunting task. I could, I go out there and hire like five ISAs with no problem. Be like, I can do this. This will be great. But bringing on an admin and bringing on my wife, Taylor is like, Oh boy, how are we going to do this? Cause right. I don't know how to be an admin. Well, the, the, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, absolutely. And the challenge with agents thinking why they think that way is because they say they do the math, right? They're like, right. Oh my gosh, if I had another me who did hundred percent, 20 more yep. deals, oh my gosh, we could be doing 20 million, we'd be making blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the reality. If you go and just add salespeople into your world and you expect them to just go generate business and bring it in, number one, they're thinking, why am I, what am I have you, what do I have you for? Right. And if, if you don't have admin help and you just have a salesperson, you guys are doing transactions and you are, and they, you are trying to add value into the world, that means you're taking on the administrative work yes. for them. And so now you're not producing. <laughs> so it's a trap that we fall into. It's you think, I'm going to go hire a salesperson and they're going to build my world. The reality is you have to have personal mastery first of the, of real estate, the principles, the six right. things we talked about. And then you go hire administrative help to help give you the foundation, man. Then you plug and play salespeople all day long. If you go put somebody, if I put somebody in my sale, if I brought a salesperson on in my, my world right now, what I would do is I would train them for probably a month. They'd figure it out. They'd realize after probably five or six closings, why did I just give Ben yes. 50% of this? That's exactly what I was going to say. And then they go off to another brokerage and do exactly what I'm doing. And now they're my competition instead of working with me because I had nothing to offer them. And what offering them is not leads, I will, I'll say. In my opinion, mm. I think... You, it's two parts, but go, finish it, it's your... It's two parts. Finish your dumb point, you I'll correct you. You can always get... You, <laughs> leads are an easy thing to find, right? So you can train somebody to get leads. 
and, and that I'm not worried about. But if you don't have an administrative staff who can manage their business and so they can go get more leads, right? A lot of these agents, again, correct me if I'm wrong, Prez. I'll correct you. But a lot <laughs> of these salespeople on these top agents stay on that team and they would go sell whatever their team leader told them to sell because all they have to do is is the sales side. They don't have to worry about anything else. They turn in that that contract and in 30 days they get paid. And that's why they're going to stay right. in that role forever. So yes, admin, but you have to provide the leads. You have to provide the leads. You have to, my plan, because I am going to... Paid leads or... Any what, leads, man. Prospecting are, leads, is paid me, leads, is it don't matter. teaching them how to cold call... Far, so is that leads. considered giving them leads? Here's the thing. Yeah. Remember... A team is not one-sided. A team's two-sided, right? Right. That means we both throw stuff into the pot. The, the team yes. is expected to bring leads, and and so is the salesperson. You're expected right. to throw leads into the mix as well. Should that be a 50-50 split? Or if, if Gary would tell you you should try to get to uh, 80% or more, meaning you are Boom. so busy providing them leads that all they do is go service business. Because yep. Gar- here's the thing. Think about the profile of a salesperson. Profile of a salesperson... Uh, is, is like a hunter, right? You're, you're going out, you're generating business. At some point you could look up and say, what do I need Ben for? I can go hire an admin, right? And so if you have more of a service person where Ben, your job is to provide leads, leadership, accountability, structure, systems, and administrative help, and you're keeping them so busy with the leads you're providing them, Man, they're gonna they're gonna look up one day and they're gonna think I wouldn't go anywhere else because this is the best gig in the business. I just wake up every day and I service this business. Now, and most t- teams don't have that, but I would tell you that's sort of in Gary's mind. That's where the business should move to. See, that's I literally had this conversation with another team here. I told them my plan: ISA turn them into showing agent to eventually a buyer's agent and backfill and all that stuff. And they're like, are they gonna take that? Because I'll, I'll just throw it out there. I'll, I'll look at paying 35 percent for the buyer's agent. I'm telling them this like. If I can do my goal for 110 next year in units, and if I'm always right on line at 60, 40, about 50, 50 buyer sellers, if they're getting 50 deals of buyers at a 30%, they're still making almost $65,000. If, if someone comes to me and complains that I gave them, I don't know, four and a half, four deals a month, and they're complaining because they're not making enough money, I mean, all right, I can go find another buyer's agent. The person I'm worried about is the admin and training a good ISA to take that person's spot because I can. you can find agents, there's 4,000 of us in Dayton, 90% of them don't do any business anyways. And there's probably 10% of that 90 that actually want to do good and be full time. So if I, if I can be like, I got the admin process paperwork, I'm running the ads for you. I'm providing you ads. You need to bring at least two leads, two prospects a month in here and convert at least one of them. So you're bringing 12 deals. I'm giving you another 38. If you're going to get mad at that, when there's opportunity to grow where you can then become the lead agent and have showing agents underneath you, then all right, I'll find someone else because your diamond doesn't just like every other real estate agent. So to answer your question, I'd say 50-50 at the very least is where you want to be, where you're throwing in stuff in the pot, but they're expected yeah. to also throw in stuff in the pot. The, the, here's what I see agents do, and it's the most, and they put themselves in such a frustrating position. And so here's what they do. They, they don't have a business in which they're providing a lot of value and service to people in their organization on the sales side. Therefore, the salesperson looks up and says, I either better get a better deal or I'm leaving. And they come to the uh, rainmaker with an ultimatum. And so what does that rainmaker do? The only thing they can do, which is give them a better deal. Here's the pro- here's what Gary says. You should you're you should never mess with your business's numbers. Meaning that if you look at the MREA, what's the numbers for a buyer's agent? It's 50-50. 
that number never changes. It never goes, so knowing you're in your world never gets a better deal. What you do with them when you have a talented person and they want more opportunity, you go to another business with them. You go to another opportunity. You don't mess your okay. business up to, to, to provide for a person. You just say, hey, that's awesome. Let's go, um, you know what, we're, let's go to Cincinnati and we're going to start taking market share over there. And I'm going to give you a piece of that pie. You're going to help me run that organization and it's going to be our first expansion location in Cincinnati. Boom, there you go. Yeah. I just, I'm with Prez on it because I don't, the more you pay them, you just kill your bottom line because you're still paying for the admin, the marketing, the advertising. And, and you're, and you're yeah. begging somebody to stay who's clearly not loyal to you. Because yeah, if, if, they're if, money, if they're, just if they're money, money driven, they're not loyal to you. Well, That's it goes back to all, you have to have your own culture. Like if you're just like, hey, here's leads go and you're kind of like a dick and you're not really helping them. Yeah, they're probably going to leave no matter what. But I mean, just with like in your own brokerage or your own family, you got to have your own culture and your team that has to be worth staying. And it, it has to be more monetary. If you got someone who's straight monetary, they'll probably work out for a while. You could answer this better than me. But at some point, someone else is going to be like, here, I'll offer you 60-40 split because you're doing so good. I have yet to meet a talented person who's only money-driven. I think you go. you've got to peel back the onion on people, and you've got to, you do want someone that money matters because sure. if you have someone who doesn't think money matters, then you're going to have a hard time having them motivate themselves <laughs> to do their job. Yes. Um, however, I think it's it, there's so much more than that, right? Like you got to peel sure. back the onion with people and find out what's in that. To be honest with you, that's another thing is we don't spend enough time getting to know people to understand what motivates them and drives them. Because here's the thing. You can't motivate people on your team. You can motivate them where mm-hmm. you help motivate them. You put things in their path to help get have them have those aha moments or those realization moments where they're like, oh, my gosh, if I did such and such, I'd have such a better outcome. But you can't make people do anything they don't already want to do. You know right. what I mean? So what in this business, then let's go back to you. What What's mo- what's motivating you right now as a regional director? And then what's... What's your next steps, your next plan? Like, where are you going? Well, my goal with the region is to build it out. So um, we've got a lot of opportunity, a lot of room for growth. So that's my, that's my first thought when you ask me that question. The second thing would be, you know, I'm really just excited about the industry right now, to be honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think over the next 10 years what we as an industry are going to be able to do, the level of service we're going to be able to provide people. I think we're going to move into a time in which agents are going to have solutions that allowed them to do way more than they're currently doing. That's something that we have not touched on yet that you are, you are playing a huge role in here at Keller Williams Yeah, is where we're going as an industry, right? You're, you're growing our region as well, but the conversations you're in with Gary are all about where we're going. So where do you see us going, right? We've all heard the, um, you know, the technology is not going to get rid of the agent, but agents that don't adopt technology are going to get rid of themselves. I mean, how, how do you see the future of this industry? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's, it's, again, it's probably my favorite right now because it's um, ever evolving. And I think right now, you, to be honest with you, there's, a, there's some systems out there that do great things for the agent. However, I think what you're going to find over the next probably two to five years at the most is certain systems are going to start excelling faster and faster and putting agents in a position to actually use tech as a competitive advantage. I would say that there's areas where some agents use tech to their advantage, but for the most part, you know, having a basic CRM system can get the job done. Right. I I think we're moving into a time in which the agents who are going to position themselves the best are the ones who uh, find a way like Zillow has to get in between the agent and the customer, right? The agent's got to take back that position 
of being the go-to for the consumer instead of it being uh, third party after after someone hits Zillow, right? So we've right. got to be able to put tech, and I believe we're going to get there, where there are tech solutions out there that companies are providing that are more valuable to the consumer because of the data and insights that consumers are getting than things like Zillow are providing right now. So it, they talk about the Amazon world, right? Mm-hmm. We want information and we want our stuff now. We're super instant gratification. So what Zillow offers is that, it, albeit maybe inaccurate, but they but offer it's there. The, but it's there. They offer mm-hmm. the consumer information right away, right? They don't have to wait for a callback from their agent. They get information right there. So what is it that the agent will be able to offer or what is it that the consumer wants right away that they can stop going to Zillow and start coming to us? So in that, that's what you just said is the key to all of it. Like how does the agent compete with Zillow? Zillow spends billions of dollars. Like they have so much money. How is an agent? Well, the reality is Zillow has a problem and that is that their experience like if you, you know, Trent, if you go to Zillow right now right. and I go to Zillow right now, we have the same exact experience. It's not different. It's the exact same. Where we're moving into is the consumer is going to have their own page, their own website, their own app, where they interact with real estate in their local market however they best choose. And if Trent and I are in the same market and we're looking at real estate on our apps, his experience is different than my experience based on my search behavior, based on my activity uh, based on houses I've um, I've saved and things like based on our, our uh, mortgages and things like that. So I think we're moving into a time in which we talk about the uh, end-to-end solution. We'll be there. We're getting closer and closer every day. Let me ask you this. So we talked about agents being te- technology enhanced, but when you say CRM, most agents, probably 80%, never used a CRM. They had their phone. They worked out of that. And you know, you want to compete with Zillow, try to get them out of the way because they're causing problems with like everyone else in Silicon Valley. So the for the consumer, not just agents, I mean, it's just, they're just trying to get a money grab in the middle that doesn't provide a consumer really much of anything. So how do you get agents to actually, or how would you suggest agents get involved on the technology side to actually use the damn thing? Because let's be honest, most agents are old school. They just go by the memory and I mean, it happens. I only use technology because I was engrossed in it in my previous job. So what, what's your thoughts there? How can agents or any other business use technology to grow? And to elaborate on what you're asking is, right, we thought when when this whole, when what you're describing came out is what Keller Williams is offering, right, we all mm-hmm. thought it was going to be, how do we get the consumer to adopt this? Right. I don't think that's where we're at. I think it's how do we get the agents to adopt this? Right, right. right? I, and speaking on my behalf, how do I get myself to adopt this so then I can convince my consumers to adopt it? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, here, here's the thing with any tech. If you look at the life cycle of technology, when any tech rolls out, there's a period of time in which, for lack intense, you know, for lack of a better word, it's kind of crappy. <laughs> it kind of sucks, right? Mm-hmm. And over time, what happens is that becomes technology that's eh, to technology that that works, to technology that that's pretty good, to technology that if you're not using, you're at a disadvantage. And so, luckily, we've been at this game for a while in our company mm-hmm. that we I think we're at the point now where it's like, okay, it's time to start using. And what we're going to do in the next 12 months is going to, is going to really help position us so that more and more agents will use that. I do think we have a challenge with a lot of real estate agents are, are not super tech savvy. And so, <laughs> and so we've, we've got it. The best way I know to how to help them is two options. Number one, either give them the easy button to have someone else do a form 
And we're, we've, we've looked at solutions like that. And that's just reality. Some of us are going to have to just have the easy button mm-hmm. or number two, you've got to show them a lot of social proof. And I'll give you an example. When, um, when campaigns came out inside of command, the system that we use, um, we started noticing that we were generating online leads for a dollar or less. Right. Yep. Right. And you've had a lot of success with that, right? Trent? Yeah. And so um, the reality with that is like the best, sometimes the best way to get agents to adopt is to show them the success that others are having and then, and then get them to see that. And once they see that, then they make their own decision. Yeah. I mean, I know we talk a lot of Kel Williams here, but the best part I think I ever heard was a family unit. Gary was like, it's not like we just want to crush Remax and everyone else. It's like, we want all of us to do well. So we get rid of those third parties. So the power's back in the agent. And I think that's something I don't want to get missed on this whole spiel we're doing. Absolutely. Is that it goes every, we want all brokerage to be on the same team, basically to fight off these third parties. They always be there, but we want to produce stuff that's better and not just say we're the only ones here. We want everyone to do better. So we get rid of those people. Yeah. hundred percent. If we can drive down, help drive down the cost uh, because I mean, you look at some of the costs of these systems and they're mm-hmm. ridiculous. I mean, they're, 2500 1500 a month. I mean, they're really expensive. If we can help drive down the operational expense for the agent across the board, regardless of company, that's a huge win. Like we all as agents are on the same team. And so the more we can help do that and every brokerage jumps on board with the idea of building their own technology and the value behind doing that versus um, leveraging third parties, which the unfortunate part with that is, you know, like let's say Zillow makes <clears throat> challenge with third parties is you, you know, Zillow makes a, a change to their system and, you know, now you need to change something up to go compete. You've got to go to, to your third party and say, hey, we'd like to make this change. Then they turn around and tell you, that's great. It's a th- it'll be $100,000 and we'll get to it in six months. Yeah. It's like, that's not competitive. That doesn't work. Zillow yeah. just made it today. We need it tomorrow. You got to be ahead of it. You can't wait for someone else to make the change. By the time you catch up, it's just like marketing, I think, with any other. But by the time someone else does it, I always joke that real estate agents like locust. One will find a green pasture and then everyone comes, eats it all away. And then you're like, all right, what else can I do now? Because everyone else just nuked it. Yeah, with Rheology Brands, Remax, Keller Williams, all the others, they're not trying to get rid of the real estate agent, right? And and you can yeah. say one way or another, Zillow is or isn't trying to get rid of, or the third parties aren't. But to echo what Trent said, you know, agents need to be working together in this, right? Choose a side that you're on, and that's and obviously, you know, Trent and I decided to choose to be with Keller Williams, and we're we're happy with that. But choose the brokerage you're wanting, make sure that brokerage is in this battle with you and make sure you're in this battle with all the other agents in, in, in the country or world. Yeah, I, I don't even, yeah, Zillow is definitely an issue, but if anything, I think Redfin's worse. They devalue you and then treat you like crap and pay you minimal, like an hourly wage. <laughs> and I'm like, get out of it, dude. No one should work for Redfin. All, we just lost all Redfin listeners. Oh, hopefully they, <laughs> hey, we're pretty bright. Hey, we're honest yes, and upfront yes. on this stuff. So I'm black I, and white. I, I, so. I totally, I totally, I don't disagree with what Trent's <laughs> saying. Now I want, here's a question that I, I want to pose as a challenge. All right. So what you are describing that Keller Williams is building is a, a, a user interface that through AI predicts what you want, creates the customized homepage, comparing it to when I go to Netflix, right? We've heard Gary say, it, or Amazon, my Amazon looks different than both of yours. So does my Netflix. Now I use Amazon and Netflix every single day. How do we get involved into our consumer's life where they are taking AI and they go to our page, custom page, 
on a daily basis. That's what I have trouble wrapping my mind around because, right, it'll, it'll use AI when they start their searching, but that's not when we want to be involved. We want to be involved before they start searching. So how do I get them on that page, which is at the core, a real estate page on a day-to-day basis like we are on Netflix and Amazon? Yeah, I think that's the first challenge is, is it's like how do we <clears throat> not only you know leverage the tech but actually use it mm-hmm. <laughs> be the first challenge. And so I would tell you first, my first thought is uh, using smart plans and, and having those monthly neighborhood nurtures being sent to them, which is one of the features we have where they have <clears throat> write their own custom page. So that would be my first thought. Second thought would be, <clears throat> excuse me, the relationship you have with your consumer. Do you have such a relationship with your past clients and with your sphere that you can pick up the phone and when something happens, great, uh, in your your technology or your, or your experience that is now theirs, that you can pick up the phone and call and have a personal conversation and tell them about it. Because too many of us try to communicate one to many. We've got to go back to one to one. And I think we're eventually going to get to where tech allows us to do that, where it feels one to one, even though it is one to many. However, until that time comes, we, we have to do a lot of groundwork and understand that the best investment we can make is first and foremost with our past clients, our sphere of influence, and the core business that gets us business every day. We can't, if we feel transactional and we're not relational, uh, that's built, that's a bad business model to be in. You said it present on the second part. I was going to say just database, man. It's like, it's like anything else. You got to maintain them and it gets time consuming sometimes. But you maintain them. Admin helps with that. You send them that information, say, here, I always direct them to our website or our app because I know when they're on it. I can see kind of stuff they've clicked so I can have a reason, a smart conversation instead of, hey, how's it going, John? And then it's like dead silence. I, you got to get them, you got to drive your database to it so then you save your clients on that. You keep them in your little circle and they don't go to Zillow. If they like your app because it uses next door and it circles a neighborhood, gives them all the information they want, then you're good. So I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm saying here's, <laughs> he does not look at that face. I do. I do. We just so presented what, what with I, a math problem and I he mean, just failed it. What I mean is, so I, I can send them neighborhood nurtures and they're going to be excited to go onto their neighborhood and, and look right. Right. Maybe, maybe they'll click on it when they want to They'll, they'll click on when, when they're they interested. Want, but, but again, that's the name yeah. of the game is but you want to be there when yes. they're ready. Is there, yes. Is there, is our, app or something that we can do. The only time I ever get on Zillow now, and I, I, we all get on Zillow, all three of us have. Nope, never. Is <laughs> when I want to daydream, right? Like I look mm-hmm. up the million dollar houses on the beach in Siesta Key and that's when I get on. So how can I, it, it will our system be able to do something like that where like old information, like old houses or no, what? I'm saying like, and now I'm just spitballing. Now we're just I can daydreaming, tell. but like, imagine I can go to my, I, I send Trent who is a customer of mine and I say, Hey, you can even set up like a daydream file, right? Where you can save houses from all over the country. And it tells me that as well. So I can be like, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Right. Well, what could we get you in similar to that in Ohio? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, um, we've got that feature built and that's just going to get better and better. And what you're awesome. talking about is around collections, right? Where, yes. mm-hmm. where you can essentially set up a, a, a client or someone you're in a relationship with who has your uh, technology, your app, and say like, hey, I put together a collection of the best investment properties right now in the Dayton market. And you push nice. that over to them. It goes right into their app, their experience. They get a push notification, right? And then they can go drill into that and look at it. 
This is the coolest feature, I think. Of I'm writing the, that down. Of the app. It, it's all, The way Prez described it to me in the past was Pinterest, right? Yes. Yes. And you can set up, like, I could set up my, my sister on this thing as well and my family so they can all see the houses that we're looking at. Now it becomes a community. And guess what? When they set, when I send it off that app to my sister, guess who it's branded as? Yep. And we're, and when they sign up, because you had to sign in, where does that contact info go? And then it becomes now a social app, right? So now we're no longer just a home search app. Now it's a social app, right? And that to me is where we've gone to that next phase of how do we get people onto this app outside of just searching for yeah, houses. 100% because no one looks for real estate by themselves. They look for, they look at real estate with their family, with some of their key friends, people right. they care about, right? And so the ability to be able to go grab those people and add them in is what we call them collaborators, right? It's like, hey, who else, like when you're sitting down with a buyer right now and you give them your app, right? And you could say, hey, uh, Ben, who else, I, I'm sure you're not looking by yourself. I'm sure there's probably some friends and family that you want also to be a part of this process, who else do we need to make sure that they have your collections of properties that we're looking at so they can give us their thoughts and feedback in real time, right? And then they give you those people, great, we're going to text them from your phone right now and get that over to them. Does that sound good? And now you've got, now you have set yourself apart from any other real estate agent. And you've worked with one buyer and right. maybe you just grew your database by 10 people. Yes. And I think the one thing, it's hard for people to understand that because there's nothing out there right now. But I think once it starts being implemented and people understand how nice it is to share without sending a text of the house and all that stuff, um, it'll be great. Final question for you. Thank you for your time. Ten years from now, where are you? Where's and where was where is real estate technology? Positive, positive affirmations here. That's where a, are you at? That's CEO? a tough question. CEO Kelly Williams, where are we at? Gosh, that's a great question. Oh man. Put you it know, out there. I'm 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 running the region. Right. Um I don't know. I don't know about uh Kelly's International. I'm not sure uh, that <laughs> route yet. Um, I, I would say that Josh I'm, teams is a listener, so be careful. <laughs> yeah. He might want to retire and start another right, business. Well, so. Tell him to You're come good. talk to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say I'm running this region and we've got uh, 10,000 agents. Okay. So where are we at now? 4,000. Yeah. We're at 4,200, 4,200. So we're, 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 we're over 10,000 strong. Okay. We'll hold you to it. Yep. How many rental properties? Ooh, uh, I would say probably 25. 25 rental properties, yeah. 10,000 agents, yeah. 2030. Has the million-dollar <laughs> giveaway happened? <laughs> Absolutely. You guys have nailed, it. You guys hey, nailed it. on this. Y'all nailed it year one. <laughs> we gave a million. I mean, we're at 35,000 downloads right now. 500 to 35,000 in a week? In a week. You guys, we're flying, dog. This is the hockey stick of growth, right? Like, yeah. You guys shot up. <laughs> we were talking economy V-shape. This is it. We started low on the first one and shot straight up. Yeah, I can't believe that we yeah. were, we've grown like this. It's amazing. Um, first guest, probably our 100th guest. You know, that's a good way. 100-year century mark. We'll keep it going. But we do appreciate your time. How can they reach you if they have any questions? You can uh, shoot me an email. Uh, press McKissick at kw.com. Whatever I can do to help, I'd be happy to. Awesome. This is Trent. This is Ben. Real Pursuit. Let us know. If you guys have any questions, thanks for listening.